Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Splash Play NFL Fantasy DFS podcast. Chris, there, there's no Thursday night game. It, it normally is the wind in our sails. It is normally. I, I personally am adrift in an ocean of my own depression without the NFL. But thankfully, we have some games on Sunday. We'll get back on track. And one way you can help us get the energy up, as always, is hitting that like button and subscribing on YouTube or giving us five stars and a review on Apple Podcasts. But even that, Pete, I don't know if that's going to give us enough emotion to get going here. So maybe the intro will help. It will help. And you know what also will help? We have Lord Reeves, a.k.a. Rich Rebar, joining us later in the show today. We are going to ride or die through the slate with him. We will catch you on the flip side. And now we go right to the cold open here. Welcome to another episode of Splash Play. I hate not having the music going in the beginning part. That's the one thing. I like to bounce around to it. I feel like it puts me, even our, our bits aside, puts me in a good mood. But I'm always in a good mood here for you guys because I have my friend, Peter Overzet. How are you doing, Pete? Doing good. Like, like we mentioned at the top, a little weird not having a Thursday night game. But I've been digging into this slate this week, getting excited for, uh, for another fun weekend of uh, start sits and GPPs. Yeah, we have, uh, again, as Pete mentioned up top, a big guest for today for us, Rich Rebar, at Lord Reeves on Twitter. One of my favorite avatars on Twitter, Pete. I don't know if you know this, because of the Zach Morris with the 80s phone. That's that's near and dear to my heart, even if uh, the kids watching this YouTube show might not understand the, the cultural merits of Saved by the Bell. Yeah, he. Uh, there was one time, too, where he changed his handle from Lord Reeves to Roto Reeves for a day, and there was so much backlash that he immediately changed it back. Yet I, I can see why he's got a brand. And uh, once you've been lorded, once you've been knighted or lorded, you simply cannot walk that back here. And that's another thing that's going to relate to your life because once you subscribe on YouTube, you can unsubscribe to us at Splash Play. We are here for you every Thursday after Thursday night football. Or if there isn't Thursday night football, we still do a show. That's what matters. And of course, after Sunday night football, as well as this the show where Pete and I break down all the ride or die picks and how they've gone abysmally wrong. Though uh, Pete, I, I want to get some more plug info out there, but. We have to point out, I did win last week, and it feels fantastic. I'm now 3-1-1 one, and one with you on the year. Yeah, you know what? I wasn't going to knock you down on Twitter, but a 10-pointer for Adam Thielen as the captain is just, that's that's not a 10-pointer. No, because I'm calling the spot, too. It wasn't like calling he's in the winning lineup. It was saying he's the captain, he's the guy. Even if you were to be generous with the Sims, it's like a 30% outcome. Look, I, I'm working the system you made. The, the 30% outcomes are three. In a perfect world, that's probably like a five-pointer, but we don't have it. And so you rounded it all the way up to 10, but I'll let you have it. I'll let you have it. I think that was, I think we had agreed that that was a 10 pointer. We previously, whatever the case may be, pulled off the win after calling that shot on Sunday night football. And then, and then we had a pretty weak Monday and Tuesday, but we weren't mentally prepared for Tuesday night football to exist. And I guess that's the one thing we should hit on up top here. A uh, one game in danger this week, Pete, it looks like with the Atlanta, Minnesota game, Atlanta has some positive COVID tests in the building had to shut down their facilities. And um, I don't know how this is going to go because it seems like the NFL is still willing to go ahead if there aren't any other positive. Uh, positive test besides the one or two they catch initially. So how are you feeling about this game and its prospects? Yeah, there was the initial report from Schefter this morning that seemed really bad. It said multiple 
cases. And then there was a follow-up one that said it was just actually one and it was a team personnel and, and not a player. So I'm hopeful that we'll get a couple days here of, of no more positive cases. That said, it's very much in risk of at least going the Tennessee Titans route where it gets bumped a day, gets bumped another day. So I get it, it literally is a day by day thing. We, we can't, I don't even know how to speculate. We just have to, to sit and wait. And I guess that's one thing. Well, let's tie it into injuries that actually matter. So I'm going to move the the segments around here, Pete. But I feel like this makes sense to talk about it up top because I actually didn't put it in the the segment sheet that we had here. But this is an important injury. Dalvin Cook not in practice yet. And this game, the the Vikings and Atlanta, is a game that again is might be at risk. We don't know yet. And that's got pretty big ramifications because Alex Madison projects to be the highest owned player on the slate, pretty much industry wide, with a reasonable price point and the expectation that he'll be filling in for Dalvin Cook and getting a lot of that work. And uh, I feel good about Madison if this game's going to go, Pete, though maybe uh, the ownership could be a question in NFL DFS. But uh, how do you feel about the situation? Are you confident as well that Cook won't be playing? Yeah, it, it seems very unlikely, especially because they have their bye the next week. So it just makes logical sense. They're going against the Falcons, who are a disaster. Just rest him. Let him get, you know, two and a half, three weeks here before their next game. So, yeah, I think Madison, everything sets up well. I'll be curious to see how out of control ownership gets it might not get too out of control just because he's more priced up you know if he was down here at five thousand it would just be like 75 percent but he might he might stay in this 25 to 30 percent range which i think is pretty palatable yeah it seems everything i'm seeing as well in that 25 to 30 percent range and um and that's about where he should be owned according to my monte carlos sims which you talked about on here but it is one way uh, that i've been able to, to try to get a little different with my lineups and uh, for nfl especially there's so much variance good way to get some exposure to guys you wouldn't have otherwise I have him as having a 24% chance of being one of the top two backs in his position. And if he's going to be 26% owned, like, you know, he's, you have some ways to move away from him. The one thing though, that he has going for him with the projections, I've projected to get over 20 fantasy points, 88% of the time. So like, I don't think he kills you. I would definitely still play him in a lot of formats, but you know, for those big money GPPs, of course, the ones like Pete and his friends are playing for $5,000 a pop, uh, like, like the cool kids out there and winning hand over a fist. I'm sure all the money, not those. last week, not last week. <laughs> I, was, I was actually watching your show with Brian Hooper. Uh, of course, brick, uh, doing a, a good job on the LOL show with Pete every week. And uh, you guys talking about sort of the the difference between the the high stakes ownership on some of these guys, and um, you know, with that conversation you had, Pete, I guess you want to give people maybe the the thirty mile view on that real fast, and um, and how that might relate to a guy like Alex Madison. Yeah, I mean, it's just. To, and it's not even um, different price points, although that affects it, but just different contest size and how ownership changes at different levels. Like a lot of ownership that's projected is for the millimaker, which is a massive contest. So when the contest gets smaller, the quote unquote best plays get higher owned. And then what I was talking about with Brian Hooper was at this nosebleed $5,000, 25-person contest. People are basically just running a cash game lineup in it. So it literally is just the best plays. So there's massive ownership, which also opens up this opportunity to get way more contrarian um, in a simple way. Like we just played the Dallas Cowboys game stack, which didn't seem that contrarian, but in that specific contest it was. So I think it's just a good rule of thumb to know you need to be really um, specific or cognizant of your contest size and, and how contrarian you need to get. Yeah, and sometimes people do move away a little too much from uh, the chalk in football, especially at running back. And uh, this year, that's been a strategy that has been the best. But at some point, you'd expect it to normalize. And again, Madison, I, I find it to be hard to believe that he'll be a play that kills you this week, assuming that Dalvin Cook is not going to make it into that game. Uh, quickly, some other injuries that matter. Odell Beckham out today for the Browns with an illness. Jarvis Landry out of practice as well with a hip injury. They also have Kadero Hodges on IR now. So 
Uh, this is actually one situation I think is worth watching because Odell, apparently they don't think it's COVID, but he is, you know, ill. And Landry, his injury is a real one, uh, you know, a muscle issue one or whatever you want to call the hip, I guess, a, a joint, it, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm no doctor here. I'm not one of the football doctors on Twitter. But with the Browns, Pete, do you feel like there's some opportunity here? And uh, with Beckham being out of practice, and we'll see if he gets in. That's clearly the, the main thing here is if they're getting into practice tomorrow. Yeah, the illness one, it was kind of a black box. No one really knew what was going on. The Landry one is kind of a bummer because this was his first game after a while where we had seen him return to kind of the volume levels that we normally expect out of Jarvis Landry. So yeah, we got to watch this. I mean, they've been a surprisingly good functional offense so far. That game has a 51 point over under. Vegas expects a lot of points to be scored there. So hopefully these guys are healthy because I think this game, even though historically Cleveland-Pittsburgh haven't been barn burners, I think this one could shoot out. Yeah, definitely some potential here for some scoring. And um, if Kaderil Hodge is out and also Beckham is out and Landry is out, pretty much just leaves Rashard Higgins out there as well as the tight ends and probably some more pass game work for Kareem Hunt. So I'd watch this one closely because there be, could be some opportunity opened up. Another injury uh, that I think is important, we talked about it last week. The guys, These guys did make it into the lineup. Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey limited in practice again. I think this one's important because we saw what Travis Fulgham did with the full runway. I think some people will chase that this week. But uh, to me, Pete, if Jackson and Jeffrey are in, or even if one of them is in, I just don't see myself getting a lot of Fulgham priced up for that big day that he had. Yeah, he's up to 4,400 now too. You know, if he was still down there at 3,500, you know, maybe we could uh, punt it off there. But yeah, I think there's probably too much opportunity cost at that price point. Uh, and who knows, man, maybe Zach Ertz finally gets <laughs> going here in the air yards by low model this week. Although coming off of two back-to-back games, averaging less than two yards per target which is just an insane statistic. <laughs> and he had one of those AJ Green plays last week where people might've seen on Twitter going viral, AJ Green not trying to get a ball that ended up being intercepted in that game for the Bengals against the Ravens. And there was one play too where Urch just had a ball that was like kind of below his knees or maybe even at his knees. And he didn't even lean over to grab it. Like he put in less effort than you would have if something falls off the kitchen countertop. <laughs> this is, I will say though, like I, as someone who I, I had drafted Cortland Sutton everywhere and he ended his season on a pick trying to tackle some guy. I think I even did a tweet that was like normalize offensive players being lazy as shit on turnovers uh, because I just don't want them to get injured. That's how Rager got injured in the preseason in a, a, a Eagles practice, you know, diving after somebody after an interception. So I'm going to actually, as much as I think AJ Green is dusted, I'm going to allow his laziness here. That's fair. I think it's there's a difference though between like not making the tackle, like going into business on that play, and him just like not even jumping towards the ball. Like he just kind of went like <laughs> he was running so funny, like he was trying to get away from it. <laughs> yeah, he was. They were playing a game of tag with the ball or hot potato, I guess, depending on the situation. But AJ Green apparently doesn't want to be traded, so uh, maybe he has a bounce back game this week. Though I don't have a ton of faith after uh, getting bit by that a few times already. Another older player who uh, clearly not dusty, according to the eyes of the Detroit Lions coaches, but Adrian Peterson out of practice due to illness, not believed to be COVID, but because the Lions are a team, I guess, who has their own level of protocols, they're keeping him away regardless. And he might be away for this whole time, Pete. Uh, so how are you feeling about Peterson's prospects where it does seem like he could at least open up some opportunity for Swift and to carry on Johnson? Yeah, I mean, my thought, I, I will admit Adrian Peterson has looked pretty good when I've seen him. It still feels like he's going to go the way of Peyton Barber in Washington, where they ultimately phase him out. I mean, carry on Johnson. He's hasn't lived up to his expectations, but he's still like a highly drafted 
talented young prospect. I'd love to see this backfield just be carry on Johnson and Deandre Swift. And yeah, for you guys out in seasonal leagues, that's deep and competitive on the waiver wire. I think carry on Johnson's a nice little scoop up. And then for DFS this week, Deandre Swift's only 4,500. He should get a couple more touches if Peterson misses. So I love when these backfields thin out for fantasy. If you had to choose between one of those guys, if, if Peterson is ruled out, who would be the one you would go with? Because it looks like in terms of snaps and even routes run, I guess a little more routes run favoring Swift. But for the most part, these guys are pretty close to a 50-50 split behind Peterson. Yeah, I probably always default to the pass catcher in DeAndre Swift uh, has been getting that work and they've been using him in the red zone. Two of his touchdowns this year have been on little slants in the red zone. So I like that kind of usage just gives them a higher floor. That said, if they get a big lead somehow on Jacksonville, carry on Johnson's probably the one ice in that game away. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a fair point to make and uh, certainly some reason to play both guys if Peterson does end up out against the Jacksonville team that's been pretty bad um, in every facet of defense so far, but uh, actually pretty much equally bad versus the pass and the run game. Uh, but yeah, definitely some opportunity in the run game if Peterson is out with that illness. So watch it closely. 55 over under in that game, which seems pretty lofty. Jesus. Yeah, especially uh, with Chark. Chark's another guy who looks like he yeah. might be on the bad side of questionable right now. So yeah. A little Visco week, perhaps a little Visco week. It's always a little Visco week coming off of eight targets, though. That could be that could be hot without uh, without Shark if he doesn't go. So coming up here in about a minute, we're going to have Rich Rebar joining us from sharpfootballanalysis.com, of course, uh, the Warren Sharp founded site. I presume he founded it. If he didn't, either way, he's the name behind it all. Uh, does the Ringer NFL show as well uh, for those guys. And uh, um, really great site. I think one of those sites that uh, really smart NFL you know, bettors and players, I think, have followed closely for years. And, um, you know, and I think now getting a little more of that mainstream attention. But um, I really enjoy the, con- the concept they put out there. And Warren Sharp, I feel like, too. Uh, everybody around him, he just surrounds himself with sharp guys. No pun intended. Yeah, no, I love it. I was, uh, I was reading Dan Pizzuto had an article about how Robbie Anderson and DJ Metcalf are getting used. I'm normally not a film grinder, but he had broken down all the clips of uh, how Metcalf was using his double move, how Robbie Anderson was uh, his quick footwork in those inside slants. So yeah, lots of good variety there. We're going to bring Rich on in a second. But is this the part of the show where you trick me with numbers don't lie? So I was going to save it for Rich now because I feel like okay. we, have, we might not have enough time and I don't want to, we, God forbid we rush numbers don't lie. I think that's, that's one of the few bits we have that actually work. But here we are, Rich Rebar at Lord Reeves on Twitter, joining us here on Splash Play for the first time. How are you doing today, Rich? Guys, what is happening? You know, week six, no, no Thursday night football. I'm here with you guys. What could be better? I- yeah, we're all surprisingly sober, I feel like, given the fact that there's no football going on. Or maybe that's the thing that makes us drink is how the football game goes. Speak for yourself. I'm literally cracking one open right here. I'll get down to you with you. Oh, there we go. But when I, I talked to when I talked to Rich, you were you were kind of uh relieved to not have Thursday. Is that because I don't know if you might be similar to me. I was feeling behind the eight ball this week with the Tuesday game. Yeah, everything kind of just threw me off. We're such a, you know, cyclical beasts, you know, in season of, you know, when, when we have to have content, you know, getting all my deadlines in order. And when my deadlines start to move, I started to feel, you know, just cattywampus, you know, off tilt. Uh, and then, you know, I thought, oh, I was like, oh, well, I'll have Thursday night off too. And then you reached out and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll go hang out with Pete. It's cool. <laughs> you too, Chris. I mean, I'm here to hang out with you too. Yeah, thanks, Rich. Yeah, I mean, I was just talking so positively about your avatar on Twitter and it being one of my favorite ones in the game. And yeah, you can hang out with Pete all you want. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, what's funny is uh, I just got asked on a podcast recently about that. And I don't think I can change my – I think I'm, like, stuck. Like, I can't you know like, that's be problematic now, according to society. Hey, yeah. 
here, like you, here you go, Rich. I just I, I figured I could just drop Spags off, and uh, he just wanted to hang out with me there. So, oh uh, no, we'll bring him back. We'll bring, oh, oh no, no, we rotated positions too. It's oh, it's all screwed up. Here, no, I'll, I'll get it back to normal. Here. Oh no, Rich there, is gone. Oh, there we go. Well, there we go. It's not for my goldfish attention, Rich. I got to ask you though. Um, sharp football analysis. Pete and I were talking before you came on. Great site. Um, I know I pumped your tires about it when we did on the contrary last year, but yeah, Warren, the work you do, so many guys over there contributing great content. But I didn't know that you guys had this massive redesign going on where it looks so swank now. And I feel like now the design of the site really intuitive in a way that I think fits what you guys are doing. And do you guys feel like you're making the mainstream moves with Warren doing the ringer stuff. You're doing a ton of shows. I feel like you guys are on the, you're like the Beatles now finally having that big moment on Ed Sullivan. <laughs> it's still a, a big learning process for both of us. You know, Warren has done all this on his own, you know, up until this point, and he's, you know, never had, you know, a team of employees and, you know, learning the ad fantasy into the betting and stuff. So we're, we're trying to figure out as we go and, you know, try to try to grow and make the site better. We've, we actually have had a, like a really positive year coming out of this off season, which left a lot of, you know, uncertainty. Uh, so things have been going well. The season's going well. We were paired up with Matthew Barry too on the Roto Pass. Uh, things are, things are going well. And, you know, the content's been good. I, my, all my draft stuff has been kind of accurate so far too. So like that helps, like when the analysis is accurate, it definitely helps, uh, which is what everyone cares about. Yeah, that's that's always the goal here. As, as Pete knows as well as anybody, the most profitable player in NFL DFS this year, or at least at least top one thousand. You're somewhere in the hunt, I think. I need to check my Roto Grinders rankings, see where I'm at these days. I'm, um, I'm really intimidated by both of you guys because you guys both pull off, uh, you know, uh, the backwards look, you know, really well, man. You know, I I cannot, man. I do not really rock the backwards hat. I'm gonna very well I'm gonna do all. it in solidarity with you. Just do the the straight. Wait, are you wearing a Tony Romo nothing on your cap hat? I don't no free ads on splash play, brother. <laughs> oh wow. I don't love that. I don't I I actually think less of you now that I know you have a hat with no affiliation. Like pick a side, Pete. <laughs> I uh, as I've gotten older, I just uh I like shirts that don't have anything on them. I like hats. Uh, you know, I just can't be a walking billboard anymore, Spags. That's true. People have to pay for that kind of exposure on Pete's body. Y your <laughs> your brand could go here. <laughs> yeah, that's someday, Pete. Someday we'll have it made like that. But uh Rich, we're going to have you do a segment here that normally it's just me and Pete. And the, the premise here is uh, one we call numbers don't lie. And I think you might see this one a little easily here compared to how Pete does, where <laughs> you could see the beautiful mind numbers being calculated in front of his head. But I give three stats. Two of them are true. One of them is false. And um, and Pete, I mean, if you want to explain any more for the process you go to, the struggle you go through each week, please feel free. Well, like Rich literally spends all of his time surrounded by these numbers. So I bet he's going to be able to sniff out your bullshit right away. Uh, I have, I think I've only had one week where I've I've not failed at this. So I'm I'm very bad and I expect Rich to uh, to do pretty well here. It's a lot of pressure, though. It is walking, it is. Into, walking into the hornet's nest here. You got to perform on the spot and numbers don't That's lie. Right. But as I mentioned, three stats, uh, three stats, which we find interesting, hopefully. And uh, Peter and Rich will both guess uh, two of them are true. One of them is false. Let's get into it. The first stat, Joe Mixon has been a volatile play for an up and down Bengals team. But his workload isn't something you can question. With 34% of his team's intended touches, carries plus targets, Mixon is fourth in the league ahead of guys like Ezekiel Elliott, Aaron Jones, and Dalvin Cook. And Rich, you know the data here, but first blush for you. Does this one sound true? What is he? Yeah, I think that this sniffs out. Uh, well, I mean, the percentage sounds, yeah, the percentage sounds about right. The touches definitely have been there for Mixon. Um, it definitely sounds like you wouldn't be, it, like, even if you fudged it, it would be, it's too close to, uh, to be, it's not obvious enough to be wrong. 
No, don't. Right. He'll he'll pull shit on you. Don't. You can't get you can't get uh, safe there. He, well, he, I I walked into this the way it was let in was this was a make Pete, make Pete look bad segment. <laughs> so like I feel like this is too close uh, to make okay. Pete look bad. Yeah, Pete, how do you feel about it then? <laughs> uh yeah. So because his workload's really picked up these first two weeks, and he's getting more targets. So now I'm worried. Was his workload enough early on in the season to where he's at? I mean, Zeke has had a monster workload that doesn't seem possible that he could be ahead of Zeke. So my, my spidey senses are tingling. All right. Next stat here on numbers. Don't lie. Brashad Perriman and Denzel Mims are back in practice. So things may change and probably will, but Jeff Smith definitely got an opportunity and is perhaps limited time as Jets starting wide receiver with 46.5 routes run per game. The most in the league currently this year. So Pete, I'll ask you first here. Does that sound like a stat that could be true about old Jeff Smith? does seem like it could be true. I mean, what didn't he have that like 10 target game too? Um, maybe this is the ultimate wind sprints team. I mean, R- Reeves coined Chris Hogan as the ultimate wind sprinter out there when he was on the Patriots. Maybe Jeff Smith is out here uh, running wind sprints. I think this could check out. Out, out there exercising? Yeah. <laughs> Get your um, um, what was the number? 46 and a half? 46.5 routes run per game. I mean, that seems about right because he's only played two games and he got a ton. He was, they just threw a ton both games. Um, yeah, I feel like that's too, even if it's a little off, it's not off enough, right? Okay. So, so same thing there. Last question here in numbers don't lie or last stat. Alexander Madison will be a top owned play in NFL DFS this week. If the Vikings game for Atlanta or with Atlanta happens with Dalvin Cook expected out, we may find out he's the better running back too, with Madison having 5.3 yards per carry this year to Cook's five and a 26% avoided tackle rate to Cook's 16%. Rich, this is the final stat here. So now make your choice. Which one of these stats is a lie? Ooh, man. See, they were all, they were all tight then. Uh, is Madison? I mean, I, I Madison's like such a low volume player. It's easy for those rate stats to kind of be there. Uh, what was the other? What was the second one? It was Jeff? Uh, Smith? Was it Jeff Smith? Forty six point five routes. Ah oh, man. And the Mixon one was he was fourth in league touches. Yep, and intended touches per game. And intended touches per game. Um. I think so. I think that I go back and I hear them all. That, that it's a, I'm glad it's speaking. something rich too. It's not just that Pete's a complete dunce. No, it's it's how you word these. You're just a snake in the grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like the I feel like the the Madison and Cook ones are inversed, but I think Mixon's touch share might be actually higher. I don't know, man. I'm gonna go with the Madison and Cook ones are flipped. All right, okay. Pete. What about you? I I refuse to believe that. Mixon has a bigger workload than Zeke. So I'm going to say that's bullshit. So Rich saw right through that one. I flipped the data for those guys. Cook is, in fact, the better running back. There's a reason why he's a starter. Rich wins. Pete loses again. What a what a moment here. Numbers a don't lie. Tale as old as time. Me losing this stupid game. I thought I definitely was expecting one to be kind of like an outlier to like to, like, to be like really tricky. They were definitely it was. That was definitely, I feel like you, you wanted us to be wrong there. It's it's one where like at the beginning I was making them like trying to make them relatively obvious. And now it's just like, what, how could I keep um, in some sort of saw like trap each week is really <laughs> the goal. Well, the thing with the Mixon one is you said like team percentage and like the Cowboys have such a ridiculous amount of team touches. Yeah. That like, that was what I thought like Mixon's team touch total is, is really high. 
Yeah, it's just it's higher as a function of their offense running less plays, but the Cowboys mm-hmm. playing as fast as they do and also playing from behind as often as they do. Uh, yeah, definitely. Even I, I don't have the exact touch numbers in front of me, but yeah, uh, percentage wise, Mixon is the fourth in the league. So keep that in mind uh, when you see these outlier days from Joe Mixon like a couple weeks ago uh, where he breaks the whole slate. Uh, let's do this next segment here, Pete. I'll let you set this one up because we're going to have Rich do something a little fun here based upon uh, some of the people and how they perceive the speed of his podcast. Voice. Yeah, so so Rich is notorious on the podcast circuit of just spitting hot fire. Once he has one of these rants queued up, it just rolls off the tongue. And of course, some people, when they listen to podcasts, sometimes I'm, I'm like a 1.5x guy if I'm running a little behind on stuff. So Rich can sometimes really mess with these guys because if you listen to Rich, at 2x, you will not be able to hear what he said. So what I wanted to do is have Rich read a few chunks from this week's worksheet article for different prospective podcast listeners, the one that listens at normal speed, ones that listen too fast. And maybe if there's some really perverted weirdos who listen at like 0.5 out there, maybe we can have Rich accommodate them. So I'm going to pull this up on the screen here. This is... um. These are actually thematically appropriate. This is normal speed, and we want Rich to kind of slow himself down here to almost, uh, um, this is a mascot for the show, Splash Play, Robbie Anderson, but Rich, let's just get a very normal cadence for people who listen to our show at 1X here. All right, yeah, let's see if we give this a shot here. Uh, So yeah, Robbie Anderson is just one of three wideouts with at least five receptions in every game this season. Through five weeks, Anderson is fourth in the NFL in receptions with 36, third in receiving yards, 489. He's the wide receiver, six in scoring on the season, and only has one touchdown. The Bears are first in the league in catch rate, 55.2%, fourth in yards per target, target uh, seven and a half yards allowed to wideouts this year with just one touchdown allowed, which was Mike Evans. But Anderson has been so steadily involved uh, with the reliance of, without the reliance of touchdowns that he is still a floor-based wide receiver, too. All right. So for the normal people out there, this was a reading aloud here. (laughs) It's like being back in school or you get a little (laughs) bit of anxiety flowing through your body. And for the people who do listen at 2X, that was fairly digestible. Still, it was sped up. Now, though, I'm worried about (laughs) the people who are listening at 2X. I need Rich to slow himself down to a 0.5X level so they can understand him here. And because we're talking about a really slow, dusty player, this little blurb (laughs) is about Zach Ertz. All right, so uh, let's try this here. All right. The state of the tight end position is dire enough to keep Ertz on the board as a starting commodity with his usage, but the results have been underwhelming to say the least with the overall upside facing the Ravens defense is limited. (laughs) That seems so awkward for you to talk that slow. (laughs) It's funny though, because I feel like that was also the real person 1X, because I do the same thing where I talk fast, and I feel like that was like, for for a broadcaster or somebody doing the local news in Iowa right now, that's a 1X. I wasn't sure if Rich was going to make a meal of that with the state. Uh, (laughs) I thought about it, but... (laughs) Okay, now it's time to let Rich really shine here, okay? These are for the snails, the people who listen to podcasts at 0.75X because they want to absorb every piece of information rich this is your time to go rich 2x speed here apologies to all the 2xers because this is going to be too much 
Uh, yeah, I'll give it a shot here. Uh, just kind of break, try to break it here and see if I can hopefully not butcher this too. Uh, yeah, but it's about Raheem Mostert. So returning from a two-game absence, Mostert played 31 snaps, which is 48.4%. He had 14 touches for 119 yards last week. 52.9% of Mostert's rushing attempts have gained five or more yards. That's 18 of 34. It's the highest rate of any running back with 20 more carries in the season. Well, surprising in Mostert's return, though, is that Jarek McKinnon just played 16 snaps, which is 25%, and handled just three touches uh, for five yards with Jeffrey Wilson played just 15 snaps uh, than he did in, in week four. Uh, perhaps the blowout impact in McKinnon's role, but that does not give him a reliable floor for a flex potential. Mostert has now been a top 20 back in every game that he has played in the Rams with 24th in yards per carry, 4.54 yards uh, to backfields. There Cook we it. go. That was, that was fresh. That was Buster Rhymes quality. <laughs> Spags, do you, uh, do you think you can top that? We, what we should have done is I try to top it and I just do nothing and I pretend that it was so fast that it was like the flesh. But Did you said it, yeah. I'll try to embrace my inner auctioneer, though we can't say auction anymore, of course. <laughs> That's not allowed. But Raheem Mostert returning from a two-game maps. Mostert played 31 stats, 48.4% handling, 14 touches for 119 yards, 52.9% of Mostert's rushing attempts, 18 to 34 have gained five more yards, the highest rate of any back with 20 more carries on the season. What was surprising, Mostert's return is that Jerry McKinnon played just 16 stats, 45% handled, just three touches for five yards, while Jeff Wilson played more stats, 15 than he did in week four, six. Perhaps a blow to McKinnon's role, but that does not give him a reliable floor for effects potential. Mostert has now been a top 20 back in every game he's played, while the Rams are 24th of yards per carry, 4.54 yards for carry allowed to backfields oh my god that is a that is a mouthfield yeah i do like the auctioneer because they end up saying like every six words right returning from a two against sam 14 touches over a highest rate of any two backs what surprise most of mckinnon's return jeff wilson played 24 months perhaps mckinnon will run the flex top 20 back rams backfield there's a bit of horse racing to all of these i think they got a nail well that was beautiful there we go. We wanted to just, we are a show for the people. And regardless of what speed you listen to the podcast, we are here to accommodate, uh, you know, uh, what am, what's the word I'm accommodate? looking for? Accommodate. <laughs> you're doing my auctioneer voice, I can't talk anymore. Uh, hosting, but, hosting's tough, man. That's, a, that's what we all say. We'll do another plug here for the worksheet. All of those came from uh, Reeves's worksheet. You can find that on Sharp Football. Very comprehensive, data-focused look on all of the games from a fantasy perspective. Very uh, must-read for you fantasy gamers out there. Yeah, fantastic site. And I guess we got to ask you here, we talked a little bit of the week six overview, uh, the Atlanta COVID situation threatening the Minnesota game. And and Rich, I know you're, you're a data guy. You're not a guy who's necessarily trying to read the tea leaves on news items every week, especially with the coronavirus world. Uh, these these distressing times of ours, of course, as we have to say as broadcasters. But um, the Atlanta game, do you think it goes off this week? Because to me, that completely changes the slate if that game somehow gets postponed. Yeah, I mean the the NFL has not bent a knee uh, yet. I mean they've they've done everything to you know hell or high water to make these games happen. Outside of that Patriots game switching weeks, I mean they've really made these games go down. Except I think the Steelers game too uh, in week three, but I believe that they're going to go take this thing to the eleventh hour if they can. You know whether it's Tuesday again and we're our whole uh, you know cycle thrown off again. But I definitely think that they will try to jam this thing in there. Yeah, I think we we agree on that same page as well, Pete. And um, I guess one other news item that we have to talk about, which Pete, I'll ask you about first, because um, actually you really don't have any skin in the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire game. He's not one of the rookies that you've necessarily dug dug a self uh, self 
promoting position for Le'Veon Bell joining the team. <laughs> was that the right way to put that? I, I was wondering where you were going and why I didn't have anything relevant to say about Clyde Edwards. <laughs> right. but, but Le'Veon Bell, a guy who can upset the situation. It does seem he'll have five days in self-quarantine before he can join the Chiefs and practice with them and be in the facilities uh, after he was released from the Jets. Kind of a surprising move here as Adam Gase uh, moves around all the deck chairs on the Titanic, try to save his job. But uh, Le'Veon Bell, the Chiefs, Pete, how does this affect your views on that backfield? Uh, again, knowing what's not going to affect things for Monday, but could moving forward. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty relevant in that they've been trying to find someone behind CEH to kind of handle a few more touches. It hasn't really worked out with Darrell Williams. They even promoted DeAndre Washington off of the practice squad. I thought he was going to get some looks now, but it. I guess where I want to go to Rich, do you think he's going to steal more early down work or more passing work? Because I feel like you could maybe make a case for both. Yeah, I think that's where he'll start off is, you know, if you look at Clyde Ritzler, he's only pass blocked eight times. And then we all have, to, you know, everyone has highlighted the, you know, short yardage, you know, shortcomings, uh, you know, and he's a 200 pound back. And, you know, Le'Veon Bell is a 225 pound back. And that's what Damian Williams was. Damian Williams was a big guy. Um, and, you know, I remember, you know, the Damian Williams was there when they drafted him. You know, it's not like Damian Williams opted out first when they selected him. So there was a plan coming into the season for both of those guys to coexist. And I think that, you know, we could see Le'Veon Bell eventually kind of showcase or highlight what that would have looked like, you know, when none of us are coming into the draft new. Because remember, Climate Solaire was a third-round pick. You know, until Damian Williams opted out, there was still some skepticism. We didn't. We thought that there was an opportunity based on the archetype of both backs that Damian could get the short yardage work, and we were kind of concerned about that. And then Damian opted out, and Clyde Edwards skyrocketed up to the middle of the first round. Uh, but yeah, this is. I mean, it's all downside for Clyde Edwards-Lair. I don't really see how you can say it's a positive for him at any level. Uh, the question is, how low does he go? Where does the floor drop off to? If you look at him right now, he had, he faced a tough schedule and it's been more or less fine, but he's the RB20 in PPR points per game. I think that's kind of what we're going to initially treat him as. It's probably a floor-based RB2 um, that we're going to need to get in the box. Uh, and then we're going to kind of see where it goes. But, I mean, as far as beyond that, I mean, it's a guessing game. Uh, I'm not going to try to, you know, act like I know exactly how many touches Le'Veon Bell is going to get or how good he looks. I will say about Le'Veon Bell is that it, I, you, there was not a worse fit for him. Like his style of running against yeah. an offensive line that was that like that bad because he's a guy that is a guy that he we've seen him he he'll those years at Pittsburgh he'll just get the ball and stop like and then probe and like and get yards I've never seen a running back really ever do that in like my you know days of watching football and then you put him with an offensive line that just gets the allows penetration every single play he's just gonna have no success that's not the type of runner he is uh, so I mean definitely he's he gets at least more upside there's we can at least talk ourselves into there being a ceiling for Le'Veon Bell now, especially if Clyde Ritz-Laird was to have some kind of injury or something. I mean, there's an out now for Le'Veon Bell drafters. And some ways to get creative too with using Bell because of his ability to run routes and run quality routes and go out in the slot and do some things. You know, uh, we always talk about in the preseason, or at least a lot of the analysts out there do running two running backs out there together a little more. And maybe you could see that be something that Andy Reid actually is a coach you might try. But um, yeah, definitely an interesting spot. And I guess we have to talk about the Jets side because I think it's worth, you know, if you're a person who's really desperate at running back, I wouldn't mind picking up a little Michael Perrine or or even Frank Gore, really, just in the hopes that you can get something going. If you have, let's say you had Saquon and he got hurt or you were in a salary cap league and you had Saquon and McCaffrey somehow and they got hurt, like, I don't mind taking a stab at some of these guys in the backfield in the hopes that there are better days. But Rich, do you have any lean here for the Jets backfield? Do you see any use for going to a guy like Perrine or Gore? 
I mean, you would hope that they would play, you know, Michael Pirine, like, but it's he hasn't yet. Like they didn't play him in any of those games. And Gore, Gore was out. Gore led the team with over 50 touches. Uh, last week he was the complimentary back too. You would hope that they would just look at their situation and say, we have to at least see what this kid has. But you know, with Adam Gase, who knows? I would take shots of both guys. I don't mind using roster spots on any of these running backs because in this running back economy, like who can just like forego running backs, you know, like at least just see what happens. I was telling people just, hey, pick up Devontae Freeman. People are like, everyone, let's leave it alone. James Robinson before the season, everyone was like, don't get a Jaguars running back. Just see what happens, man. If, it, if you pick him up, you get a roster spot. Like everyone needs running backs. Yeah, Pete, how do you feel about, how do you I like how Rich here? said that if you were saying like everyone needs love, everyone needs attention, everyone needs running backs. I enjoy running backs in this economy. I feel like yeah. <laughs> 2020 taking a hit to everybody, including the running backs. Yeah. Uh, Pete, Sorry. do you have any feel for the Jets here in Pirine? Or I, I, I say Perrine, was Samaje Perrine was a Perrine, right? Or was he a Pirine as well? I, I'm forgetting the Pirines and the Perrines. He was the Oklahoma guy that was on the Washington drafted. I think it was Pirine, wasn't it? Is I everyone a P Ryan? Are there not Perines? <laughs> like, do they not exist? No. They're related, though, right? I mean, are they not? Are they? Are, okay. Are they not brothers or cousins or something? See, we're know. learning something here. It wouldn't yeah. make sense, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm on the. I just, I can't do it with the dusty old guys, and I mean, Frank Gore is the, the oldest and dustiest of them all. Uh, although he's been actually probably fine, but yeah, I'm kicking the tires on P Ryan. That's who I want to take a peek at. Yeah, I think that's uh, worth some exposure there in the hopes of getting something Frank Gore. We know what's there, uh, the ageless Frank Gore and his his cursed amulet that continues to keep him in the NFL every year. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why. Uh, he's a cousin. He's, he's the cousin of Samaje, uh, and he's he's also the cousin of Miles Jack, is what Wiki oh. tells me. So Wiki's never lied. So if you want to watch a fun video, I have watched Samaje P. Ryan's engagement video that used a magician to propose to his girlfriend. Fun video. Check it out sometime. I have a, I have a fun Samaje P. Ryan fact too. Yeah. Do you, do you know it? Do you no. guys might have heard this one though, right? No. no. Uh, he's the last hundred yard rusher the Saints have allowed. Wow. That's back wild. in 2017. They haven't allowed a hundred yard rusher since it was him when he was with Washington. Do you sweat every Saints game just knowing that that stack could go out of your back pocket forever? Well, people have been using it's like hit the mainstream. Like Field Yates like has started to tweet it this year a couple times and I've bumped. I would like drop it in the worksheet like once every like five weeks. It's like a cheap data point. Like just like <laughs> put it in there. The Saints has been like 45 games since they have allowed a hundred rusher. And I was like, pop it in. Yeah. And then Field Yates has like been pumping it like every week now at his at his tweets. Like that's like mainstream now. But he they never highlight say who it was and it was Samaj P. Ryan was the last guy. So next you time go. you see Field Yates, there's going to be a problem at an FSWA convention somewhere out there. Oh, no, man. Field is, uh, he, he's living the dream, man. I, I don't think we could touch him. He's like a, like a Ken doll. He just like signed a, an extension too uh, with ESPN. <laughs> he, he's doing good. And he's like so damn good at Twitter too. It's like, there's nothing he does wrong. Yeah, yeah. he's, yeah, he's like Matthew Barry, like, but you know, with like one generation of improvement. <laughs> well, he's like the V1, and Field took all of that and made himself a V1.5. Well, his 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 account is like if Tom Brady's account wasn't ghostwritten by a social media manager. Like Field Gates does his own tweets. <laughs> <laughs> he does well so that's the field gates promotional segment here of course that we have to hit on every week uh but let's go through here and um we got to do the troll equity play of the week before we get to our ride or die plays where uh pete this might be the new bit is that we bring the guests on and then i or you or both of us beat them and then we feel really good about ourselves like 
<laughs> maybe won't have value for our guests or the viewers, but will have value for us. But this pick, Rich, this one doesn't count. The Troll Equity Play of the Week, where we try to find a guy who's going to screw over a lot of season-long players or DFS players. Um, so, you know, if Madison, let's say, has the week, he's going to be 25% owned, 30% owned. And then Mike Boone, I think, would be the Troll Equity Play for me, where you play Mike Boone in the hopes that everybody else gets tilted and upset. And Rich, does anybody jump out for you as being a Troll Equity Play of the Week? A, a troll equity play. Um, that's a great question. Um, like, geez, I'm trying to think of like who's I'll, like. I'll give you some guys who are high on weird. Yeah, it's such a weird slate this week where I think that there's like not like like all the like chalky guys are still like less chalky they would be in a typical week because it's so spread out this week. Um, all, got all Henry like, being high on, Thielen is being high on, Galladay, some of these guys in the mix. I mean, Derrick Henry is the typically like I hate playing just like his archetype as like when they when you have to pay up for those guys as chalk because like if he doesn't score a touchdown, he can even have 150 rushing yards and like not hit still uh, if he just doesn't score a touchdown. Uh, I mean, granted, at the end of last year, he like constantly made me regret not playing him. Um, but this year, he hasn't really had those explosive runs, you know, those 60, 70 yard runs. They haven't come yet. Maybe they can come against Houston, who um, is allowing, you know, the what 40 percent of the yard, 41 percent of the yardage they're allowing is rushing and then they're you know road dogs to a team that we know Tennessee is going to do but I will say when these guys are popular and 9k and I think he's 7-3 on DK yeah uh, like if he he can like theoretically have 150 160 yards and five yards for Karen be awesome and if he doesn't score a touchdown he doesn't even get you get you there on either side yeah yeah. And we just saw too, you know, Tannehill have the big day while Henry kind of took a back seat. And you know, maybe that's something that happens again here with Tannehill looking uh, pretty sharp. And of course, needing to prove all the haters wrong out there uh, because they hated them for spreading coronavirus to everybody in the NFL. Uh, Pete, who's your troll equity play of the week? Of course, this is where you shine. Yeah, no, my, Mike Boone was a was a great one. That would be mine if if you didn't steal it. I will go. AJ Brown is going to be very popular this week. I love AJ Brown, but he's only fifty six hundred on DraftKings. I will say, Khalif Raymond steals a touchdown Ooh. away from AJ Brown this week, and people get upset when AJ Brown only has eight for eighty. Yeah, yeah. Khalifa. <laughs> I like Khalif Raymond. I, I want to see him get a shot. I feel like once Shredavious White was out on Tuesday, it was like, oh, AJ Brown's going to go off because the Bills have nobody besides him out there. But um, I thought if White was out there, I thought Raymond actually might have been like the showdown captain sneak play of of the century. But that's what the ride or die plays are for. Of course, the time of the week where we give our best fantasy play or bet in all the games for Sunday slate. So make sure you hit that like button and subscribe. And of course, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and a review. And uh, Rich, Pete will grade your picks to give us score value here. It's really a negotiation with Pete for each one <laughs> as the as the bookmaker here for the show. Uh, but do you feel ready for this, Rich? You feel like you're really indebted and, and good to go for your ride or die plays for week six? Uh, for the most part, I think we'll we'll make this happen. I at least want to be a little braggadocious on here. I want to bring a little bravado. I want to be bold. I want to give some bold takes here. See, right, so. that's what I like. Ian did that last week, and then you just have Chris over here dinking and dunking, playing it safe, so then he can be like, I beat you guys. Meanwhile, I'm out here. We're touting Auden Tate and uh, Devin Duvernay. Well, I'm very inherently pragmatic when I give fantasy analysis anyway. So like, at least like, you know, when you come out here, I, I take this as like a, you know, like, yeah, let's, uh, you know, what's a, what can this guy break the slate in the game? Can something like that happen? So we'll try to get a little bold. We That's won't get crazy. Guy. I'll try to rein it in where it's just like not outlandish, but we'll try to be a little bold. Rich, would you feel like calling a showdown winning captain in a Sunday night football game on a Thursday recorded show? Do you feel like that's like a very bold pick? Yeah. I mean, that's a solid. 
Yeah, like yeah, yeah, like a theater, right? Like give take. Like <laughs> I should uh, I should say just for people who might be tuning in for the first time, uh, the way we do this is if you do like a spread bet over under anything with like a fifty percent probability hit rate, that's worth one point. If you go out on a limb a little bit more, say a thirty percent hit rate, like I don't know Chris Godwin going over twenty DraftKings points, that's a three pointer. And if you want to get really crazy, shoot for the stars here. You want to say Antonio Gibson is in the winning Millie Maker lineup. That is a 10-pointer. And Rich is well-steeped in this. I know he does the betting show with Davis. He's covering all the fantasy. So Rich, this is a cornucopia here. You can choose whatever angle. And I say we, uh, Chris, I say we keep our pace up like we did last week with, yeah. with Ian and go rapid fire through these. Yeah, last week we basically ripped a few lines and did it. We, of course, under the table entirely. You can't do that on camera here on YouTube. Uh, but let's get to <laughs> the first game. Cleveland getting 23.8 implied points in a game with a 51 point over under against Pittsburgh, who's getting 27.3 implied points. So that is a three and a half point spread there favoring the Steelers at home. And Rich, you are the guest. So I'll let you go first here for your ride or die play. Uh, I will say that this will be Juju Smith-Schuster's first 100-yard game of the season. Uh, while I, I think it's kind of bold, he hasn't had more than 20% of team targets in any games. He's as high as 48 yards. Uh, so uh, I feel like it's kind of at least bold. The Browns have been terrible against slot receivers, and I feel like this Pittsburgh offense is going to be – it's set up for these guys to kind of oscillate between big games, between all these wide receivers. So I think it's going to be a Juju week, and he's priced up on both sites to where it's so high above his production that no one's going to play him. All right, Pete, how about you? I'll let you take your chance here for a ride or die pick. Yeah, I'm going to say Austin Hooper leads the Browns in receiving yards this week. We talked about the wide receivers being banged up earlier. And a weird stat, Hooper had more air yards last week than he did the first four weeks combined. So I think Austin Hooper, sneaky by low here, leads the team in receiving. Okay, so I'm just going to take a spread bet here, but I want to make a point. I want to take the the spread here favoring the Steelers at home with the three and a half points because I think Baker is going to get gobbled up here by the pressure that Pittsburgh brings on the year when he's getting pressured. He's got a 30.9 QB rating. Um, he's getting sacked a lot. The interceptions are a 6% rate. So I think Baker, I think this is the week we see bad Baker as wide receivers being out all week too. Um, you know, having Kareem Hunt there going to be flexible, maybe get some something going for him. But I think Baker just gets killed this week. I think it's, uh, we, we know how it is. The, the Baker Mayfield stock market always tough. Always <laughs> tough. Uh, next game up here, we got Washington getting 20 point, uh, 20 implied points flat in a game with a 43 point over under against the Giants, who are three point favorites at home, 23 implied points for them. Pete, you can go first in this one. Wow. I mean, normally I just Martingale, Darius Slayton, uh, week after week after week. I will say this. I will say Devonta Freeman, highest scoring non-QB in this game for fantasy. Okay. Rich, how about you? Uh, I'm going to say that Daniel Jones throws three touchdown passes in this game. And uh, why I think that that is kind of bold and why is because he has two on the season. Yeah. <laughs> it came in week one. Uh, um, but, you know, it, it's, there's going to be regression here. I mean, you look at his touchdown rate and he's thrown for the fewest amount of touchdowns to any quarterback through five weeks with 180 more pass attempts uh, in, in NFL history. Uh, Washington is 24th in touchdown rate allowed to quarterbacks. Uh, I think that this game is a good shot to go over because it's one of these like ugly games. Um, and you listen, Kyle Allen, for as bad as he was, like he marched them on the, his opening drive like down the field for a score. I think this game is like, could have ugly fun potential. I'm going to take golden Tate over 20 fantasy points. I don't love it, but he's going to be low owned. And I think he's got a better matchup in the secondary uh, than Darius Slayton. Who's going to be running outside against Kendall Fuller. It looks like. So um, just you know, for me, I don't love this game in any way, but I think for me, that's the pick that I'll take here. Golden Tate and our boy Ian Hardis is on him last week. So that's even better. I can tail a smart play last week. <laughs> Hopefully get it right this week. 
Uh, next one up here, we got Houston getting 25 implied points in a game at Tennessee. He's got 28 implied points. Tennessee, of course, coming off the Tuesday night football game over under in this one, 53 points. Uh, I guess I should go first in one of these. And I think for this one, I'm going to take the over at 53. I feel like the defense is here. Not great. And um, Derek Henry, I think, should get some results either way, even if he isn't a great fantasy player. So the over just seems like it makes sense. Rich, you can go ahead. Yeah, he's a he's still a good fantasy play, even though I tried to talk him talk everyone out of it. Uh, <laughs> I like the over here too as well. I I lean towards the Titans to just minus three here. I wish I had a hot take for this game, but the this was one that I kind of just like don't have a great feel for because like the obvious pieces are obvious uh, with both of these teams. So I'll just say that the you know the Titans you know laying three at home uh, against the Houston team that you know is is objectively not not very good. Actually, Pete, I want to get to your pick too, but before we do, because Rich, I, I give you one angle here that I'm curious your thoughts on, because we should actually all talk about this as a group to try to make sense of it. But Brandon Cooks, do we think this is something you could see again where, you know, you do see the coaching change, you do see a shift for him suddenly getting really involved. And do you have a lean with that based on what you studied this week? I think it's going to be just volatile. He's one of these guys out here he exercising. You know, he's running a pass route on 92% of the team dropback since week one that game he was hurt. So he's out there, and we know this team's going to be throwing a lot. But I just think when you go back and look at his track record, even going back to last year, he's just very volatile and, and not someone we can really count on for yards, especially the types of targets he gets. Um, they connected on a few of those nice deep balls, a couple wheel routes and double moves too last week, but also matchup was just cherry for it, and everyone was on Watson too well. Uh, so, I mean, I think there'll be some volatility. I think Will Fuller's still the guy that we actually feel more safe about, which is ironic you know, as we talk about Will Fuller in the context of 2020. Yeah. All right, Pete, what do you got for this one? And if it's Brandon Cooks and I just inspired you, I'll take <laughs> no, a No, no. Rich actually segmit, uh, segued me right into it because, you know, everyone's more interested in the Tennessee side for DFS. But I we still haven't seen, like, the nuclear Will Fuller game. Like, he's just kind of shown us his floor right now. And I will say Will Fuller leads this entire game in, uh, in fantasy points and goes off in a big way. Is that a 10 pointer? Do you, do you feel like, <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just say he's the wide receiver one, Pete, the wide receiver <laughs> one on the week. Okay. Like Rich just bullied me into the hottest take. He's the wide receiver one on the week. 40 right, points. Like I mean, look, we saw what Diggs did. Diggs looked pretty good. I think Josh Allen was really the one who kind of blew that game. So I don't think it's a bad play. I'm just glad that now you took one that was a little bit harder than you had to reach for. Uh, but that's that's always the goal here on Ride or Die Picks. And again, guys, if you're watching, hit the like button. It helps the picks get better. That's what we always say here. Uh, that along with alcohol. Those two things help the picks get better each time. Next game up, Atlanta, a game that we hopefully will have. Atlanta getting 25.3 implied points. Game has a 54.5 over under. And at Minnesota's getting 20. 29.3 implied points at home, even with Dalvin Cook expected to be out here. And um, I, I guess I'll let Rich go first here because uh, there might be some cherry plays that you want to take off the top. Yeah, this is this is one, especially from a DFS stance too. You guys are hitting on the Mike Boone, you know, kind of troll pick, but like there's a clear leverage spot if you just want to play the Vikings passing game and not play Madison at all. So I'll go with, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson has 25 uh, PPR points or DraftKings points, gets you that bonus too uh, on top of it. You know, we saw last week he kind of had the five targets. It kind of reminded us that this offense still is not going to support a lot of what multiple weapons every week. Uh, but, you know, Atlanta is where they're getting beat is over the top they've allowed 21 catches on throws 15 yards or further downfield uh, to start the season that's second most in the nfl um it's a it's a week to swerve into justin jefferson's upside i believe uh and they got a bunch of guys back healthy last week and it still didn't matter uh for atlanta pete how do you feel about this one 
Yeah, I don't want to brick out with just all my, you know, 10-point Hail Marys. So I I just do not see how the Vikings aren't bigger favorites here. Like, minus four feels so small to me. And I don't buy the – this isn't like the Texans rallying after Bill O'Brien. This feels like the, the Falcons just imploding. So I'll take Minnesota minus four here. And uh, so I, I, this is one I guess I can't take, but I want to reassure people that I think Alex Madison's going to get 20 fantasy points. That said, his projection, at least according to Osmo, uh, 25 point projection. So I'd probably have to take too high of a stab here to try to get him there. So instead, I'll go to Calvin Ridley. I think he breaks 20 fantasy points this week. Um, I think he actually has a good chance to be one of the top five receivers on the week, too. Uh, but I feel like people are really down on Matt Ryan. Some guy tweeted me today, like, should I bench Matt Ryan for Gardner Minshew? And like, no, like play, he's playing the Vikings. Like he's still throwing 40 times a game. You know, Julio being out there or not being out there has certainly hurt him a bit, but Ridley is a monster, I think. Um, so I'll take the Ridley getting over 20. I like right, it. Uh, next game up here, Denver, 17.8 implied points against New England, who's a 10-point favorite, 27.8 implied points. The game is a 45.5 over-under. And Pete, uh, you, you're going to do something bold here. I could feel it in my bones, so go ahead. Well, I'm trying to figure out how to play this Melvin Gordon situation. Uh, uh, Rich, real quick, do you think Melvin Gordon plays? I mean, I, I have no idea. I say, yeah, I think that they'll wait for the league to step in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got to let the you know criminal justice system work when you're busted getting drunk on a Tuesday. <laughs> All right, so I will. How about this? I'll do it. I'll. Do, I need an if then statement for this. If Melvin Gordon plays, Philip Lindsay still outscores him. If Melvin Gordon doesn't play, Philip Lindsay over twenty DraftKings points. Okay, so the if then conditional play here for Pete and the Ride or Die picks. Rich, you can take it. Yeah, this one, this game is gross to me. There's not a lot that I love. So I'm going to go, uh, the, the best I can do, I think, is, is, is the under 45 and a half here. Uh, just have a real real tough time seeing how Denver scores points. We've seen New England when they are like ahead in game script, like they're, they're pretty boring. Uh, they just want to run the ball. They don't want to throw it all. Uh, so I think we'll see a lot of the Patriots backfield in this game and a lot of Cam Newton running. I think this will be a game where Cam Newton throws like 24 times or something. So I, I'll go with the under here. All right, I guess I'm. I want to take something with Drew Locke because I really don't like the New England secondary this year. And Pete, what do you give me here for Drew Locke? That what will what will the house give for for decent odds? I mean, you might need to do an if then statement for Drew Locke. I think he's going to play, but I don't know if it's a, a oh good lock. point, good point, man. You know oh. what? I'll just take, I'll just take the ten point spread here. I think New England can cover this. I worry a little bit that there's some moxie with Drew Locke. I on paper I just don't get it with him, but I feel like he has something with this team that he does work pretty well. And um, and what's his face behind him? Who was uh, ripping was so was so much fun. I'd like to see him start some more, but unfortunately, I think Drew Lock plays. Uh, next one up here, we got Baltimore getting twenty seven point five implied points, seven and a half point favorite at Philadelphia. Who's getting twenty implied points? The over under here forty seven point five uh, for that math. If you couldn't do it yourself, and I'm going to take this stack for Baltimore going off this week. I'll say that Lamar, Marquise Brown, and Mark Andrews. We've been trying to hit this for weeks, Pete. This is the week that the stack gets over forty fantasy points. Wow. I love it. Yeah. I mean, the offense is so concentrated. Uh, no one else, I guess Duvernay's roles, uh, getting a little bit bigger, but man, yeah, it's the, it's the Andrews and Marquise mm-hmm. Brown show. Yep. Rich, you got one. I'm going to say that two Baltimore Ravens tight ends outscore Zach Ertz. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, the, the Nick Boyle thumbing his nose <laughs> at Zach Ertz would be particularly. You just need the Todd, man. He's got to get in the box, Nick. <laughs> All right, Pete, what do you got? I'll take the other side. I will say Zach Ertz, you know, Undertaker, Coffin, Giff, 10 targets, over 20 DraftKings points. Everyone goes, wait, I thought he was dusted. This would be it for sure. 
My, my girlfriend's an Eagles fan, and every week she's like, "Oh, Zachary and and Carson must be fighting. They're not friends right now." It's like, no, he just the one of them sucks, or both of them possibly suck. And unfortunately, if a guy's gonna get traded, it has to be him, right? Like, if someone, if there's like one star that gets traded before the deadline, like it's gonna be him, right? You'd think so, but what are you gonna trade for him at this point? Like, the value for him has to be at an all time low. I mean, someone will someone will take him. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would hope to see him be happy because it seems like clearly something dysfunctional. And that man uh, not getting paid on a two with two years left on his deal, I believe. Uh, nobody's ever been unhappier than Zach Ertz. Uh, <laughs> next game up here, we got Chicago getting 21.5 implied points. Carolina getting 23 implied points on the other side. Uh, 44.5 point over under for this one. Rich, you can go first. I like the Bears side here, but it's not hot enough. So I'm going to say David Montgomery outscores Mike Davis. Uh, if there, I don't know what a David hey, you Montgomery. You love Montgomery this week. I don't know what a David Montgomery smash spot looks like because <laughs> David Montgomery, but like objectively, like there's not going to be a better layout for him. I mean, you just look at you just look at what his usage since Street Cohen's been hurt. Uh, you know, he's run 35 and 31 pass routes. He's got 100 percent of the backfield touches. Carolina just allowed the first 100 yard rushing game to Todd Gurley in 21 regular season games. Made the ghost of Todd Gurley look like he was he deserved to be back in the in our good graces in RB one. Uh, if there ever was a game. It, it, it's got to be this. I don't know what a David Montgomery smash spot looks like, but I'm maybe this is it. Yeah, 5.4 yards per rush given up by Carolina. Not a perfect stat, but I, I was doing my research, Rich, and I was like, boy, Rich is all over David Montgomery and all the stuff he's got out there. It's turned into like a like somewhat like tongue-in-cheek, but I do like it. <laughs> yeah, hey, got to give him a shot this week. If <laughs> if not now, then when? Uh, Pete, how about you? So the, the thing that's great about this segment is like I can – you know, as a realist, wave the white flag and say Robbie Anderson is the wide receiver one in Carolina. But as a DJ Moore lover, I can come on this show and say DJ Moore outscores Robbie Anderson this week. So that's the pick. Interesting. Yeah, DJ Moore uh, certainly very much involved there. And for me, I, boy, not I'm not a lot I love in this game, if I'm being honest. So oof, I guess I'll take... Mm, Teddy Bridgewater is a top five QB on the week. I don't, I don't know. I don't feel very confident about it, but it feels contrarian. Although it is the Mike Davis revenge game, so obviously that's just going to blow up in my face immediately. Revenge. Do you guys believe that this is the first time in Allen Robinson's career he's had ninety yards in a row in three straight games? Nick Foles has unlocked him, man. <laughs> it's like the most unbelievable yet believable stat, but like it's still so crazy. Yeah. It's funny too because Nick Foles, like his adjusted completion rate from PFF, is uh, uh, perfect, sixty-nine percent on the year. But like he's actually like pretty bad right now, and <laughs> he's still appreciably better than Mitch and making this team run again. That's the the fun of being a Bears fan. Uh, next game up here, we got Cincinnati getting nineteen point three implied points. Indianapolis an eight point favorite, twenty-seven point three implied points. Over under a forty-six point five. I'm going to take this one first. I'm going to take Jonathan Taylor getting over 20 fantasy points this week. I feel like Cincinnati's run defense is bad. And it also, that's not always a perfect thing to look at because if a team wants to throw, they're going to throw. But Indianapolis run the ball at a 48% clip. So I think they're going to really drive it home with Taylor. And if Naheem Hines goes off, then just fuck me, I guess. For the- <laughs> <laughs> How about you? I'll say T Higgins leads the Bengals team in, uh, in fantasy points, uh, non-QB fantasy points. No AJ Green bounce back week. Rich, do you want to take the AJ Green here? Take be the man who backs the the retirees of the NFL or, or near retirees. It's not me. I was looking at Jonathan Taylor, 100 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, um, oh man, this game is terrible. Outside of this, uh, T.Y. Hilton got a little bit of burn last week, but they're going to be such home. They're going to be the huge home favorites. Like they're not throwing the ball. Um, gosh, this game is terrible. Outside of Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> 
You can you can double down on a Jonathan Taylor yeah. hot take. All right, yeah, I'll say Jonathan Taylor, 100 yards, two touchdowns. Obviously, he's like the fun new guy to hate because he's been disappointing uh, to expectations so far. But in a blowout last week, he actually played 56% of snaps, which was his highest rate since week two. Um, and jo- Jordan Wilkins is banged up, and you kind of hit on the Bengals' run D, and they lost DJ Reader now for the season. So I think it's a good spot to kind of Jonathan Taylor to kind of try to make the most of his opportunity here. Yeah, definitely a week where he could pay off for all the people who've been a little bit disappointed so far, even though the work's been there. Uh, next game for him, the, the game with, I believe, the highest total, or at least one of them, depending on where you're looking at. Detroit getting 29 implied points at Jacksonville is getting 26 implied points for them as the home team. 55 point over under in this game. And um, Rich, I'll let you go first here. This is a game that a lot of people, I think, feel like is the sneaky shootout potential, but uh, maybe that makes it less sneaky as a result. Yeah, I think that this is a game where, uh, you know, Marvin Jones is 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he only has 12 catches on the season. He only has five targets since Kenny Galladay came back, but he's actually third in the NFL in routes run per drop back. He's the same, keep the theme, man. He's out here exercising. Uh, so we know he's got his cardio in. He's ready for some targets. And this is the same spot that Brandon Cooks was in last week uh, to, to finally hit. So I'll, we'll, we'll double chase the Brandon Cooks points with Marvin Jones. All right, Pete, how about you? You want to go Kenny Galladay? You want to really stack it up? No, I was I was actually going to do Marvin Jones if Rich didn't because that actually qualifies almost as like the troll play, right? Where everyone's on Kenny Galladay this week and then Marvin Jones just goes off. So I love that one. I will stay on brand. I'll say LaVisca Chanel over 20 DK fantasy points. I mean, Chark banged up. I think he'd get there even if Chark plays. Uh, but if Chark isn't there, I mean, he could see 10 targets and uh, LaVisca is so exciting whenever he touches the ball. Yeah, and LaVisca still uh, getting some red zone targets, at least uh, relative to the rest of the receivers there for Jacksonville, too. Um, but I'm going to take James Robinson here. I just feel like I've been close to him. I'll say he's going to get over 20 fantasy points. Um, I, I like the workload for him, and uh, I think this matchup against Detroit, uh, really bad on the run uh, run defense so far, giving up 170 per game. I think they'll give up anything, but I do think James Robinson benefits overall. Uh, next game up here, now Le'Veon Bellis, New York Jets get 18.8 implied points against Miami. He's getting 28.3 implied points. Pretty big favorite. Favorite nine and a half point spread here favoring Miami game is a 47 point over under that's come down a half point over the week. And uh, Pete, I'll let you go first. Will you give me 50 points if Patrick Laird scores a touchdown? Uh, oh no, because you might have insider info. What am I gonna get? <laughs> I don't want to know. Yeah, I don't snaps, and run Patrick Laird we're up last this week. week. Just say, I can't believe you won't give me 50 points if Laird <laughs> scores a touchdown. That's so unlikely. You could, you could be texting with him and he's like, Oh, they wrote a special package that we're calling like <laughs> get Laird going. <laughs> um, okay, I will say, uh, I'll say, um, Preston Williams goes over 100 yards again, that it wasn't a fluke last week. I like it. All right, Rich, how about you? Um, I'll say that uh, Miles Gaskin uh, has over 20 uh, PPR points in this game. Uh, he's had two 20-touch games in his past three. All that was kind of waiting, we were waiting for him to see, was just get goal line opportunities. And if Jordan Howard finally put it on the shelf, he got it. And the important thing is he cashed it in, too, uh, to warrant more you know, usage there. Uh, big, huge home favorite spots we like. And th- this guy is fourth among all running backs and receptions on the season. So uh, this could be a little opening here for people that grab miles Gaskin. This is a, an overset special man, like a, a miles Gaskin. Like do you have, do you have a lot of miles Gaskin on your teams? I do. I do have a decent amount. And even in leagues where I didn't, you know, I didn't draft him, but I went hard on him week one, just cause I've learned like old me would be like, Oh, I don't know this guy or he's not going to be relevant. Just ignore it. It's like, no, it was Terry McLaurin last year. It's just like these guys that pop week one, you just got to take a peek because we're probably going to be wrong. He's a running back named Miles, too. Like, you feel like that's got to have some leverage. <laughs> there you go. 
even though he is Patrick Laird's arch rival, of course, as we talk no, about. No, Spags tries to spin this narrative. They're best friends. Stop it. <laughs> Patrick Laird's like, hey, Miles, you want to borrow my gold bond powder? And it's just like baking starch. And then Miles Gaskin has a yeast infection. It's a whole thing no. in the Dolphins locker room. It's the kind of pranks that go on there. They want to see each other succeed. I will not allow this narrative. Um, I'm going to take Jameson Crowder getting over 20 fantasy points in this one. I feel like this is prime dink and dunk Jameson Crowder getting it over um, over and over again. I, you know, does worry me a little bit. Perriman's going to be back out there, expect to be back out there. Denzel Mims also expect to be out there for whatever role he has. But Perriman, I do think, uh, could take some love away from Crowder. But I just feel like the Jets get their asses kicked again, and then they just you know rip it off, as, as they always do from behind. Uh, and the final game here, Battle of the Bays. Green, actually not the final game, final game of the main slate, excuse me. Green Bay getting 27.5 implied points. Tampa Bay also getting 27.5 implied points. It's a pick em as last I looked. It gives us a 55-point over-under. Rich, you can go first. I'm going to say that both of these quarterbacks throw three or more touchdown passes in this game. Uh, I think that this game is going to be a lot hotter than people think it is. I think the Bucks defense gets a lot of credit, but they have shown they'll give up huge plays like they did a couple weeks ago to Justin Herbert. And also, the way Aaron Rodgers is playing, th- it seems like just tailor-made like to be like a, a spot where you don't want him throwing the ball, and the Bucks defense forces you to throw the ball. So they're going to th- force like the hottest quarterback in the NFL to just go to the air. Uh, so I think he'll be good. And I don't think I think when you look at the Packers and who they've played so far outside of the Vikings in Week One. Um, and having their full allotment of players, they played, you know, the Falcons with Julio and Calvin Ridley both banged up. They played the Lions without Kenny Galladay, um, and they played the Saints without Michael Thomas. I think that their defense is definitely still giving in, in its own right. Um, I do worry about a little bit just that the that the Bucks are going to be able to probably run the ball in this game. Uh, and I do worry about that. Uh, old Ron John Rojo stacking some some t- some power runs on us, but I think this game has a real high shootout potential when people don't kind of want to believe it does. Yeah, it definitely makes some sense. Very high over under here. Again, the highest on the week so far of that main slate. Pete, what do you have in this one? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm getting excited having Rich talk about how hot this game could be. I mean, these 4 p.m. games only having two of them, but if we get one of these, it's just a total boat race. Uh, that this would be good. This is basically a primetime game like this one. Yeah, is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I will say Aaron Jones, people aren't going to want to play him against this Bucks defense. He's in the Millie Maker winning lineup under the thesis uh, with Rich here that this game pops off. Aaron Jones, pretty game script, uh, independent here, very electric talent. I think he puts up a big day. I was thinking about making that play, but then I was looking at the Tampa Bay numbers. They're down to 58 rushing yards per game allowed. Uh, but I think that actually is a pretty sharp play to play Jones more than the field. He's only going to be 3% owned this week. And I have him as having a 17% chance of being a top two running back on the week. So um, I, I think that's actually a pretty sharp play as much as I hate, of course, to compliment that, that logoless bastard, Peter. <laughs> Tip of my logoless cap to you. Thank you. Pass catching running backs have given him some trouble at least. So they did yeah. do give up some catches. So we know Aaron Jones is going to be involved in the pass game uh, even you know with Devonte coming back and we've seen guys like Kamara actually get fed a lot of the ball through the past game because they know they're not going to get it on the ground directly so uh but yeah i you know uh Devonte adams a chalk play this week but still looks a little bit under owned to me um i'll take that he man he i don't know that i want to chalk Devonte adams though i'll take that uh mike evans gets there as a, a top five wide receiver on the week um, I think that this matchup, as Rich mentioned, has a lot of potential to shoot out here. And Evans, I don't know that I love him getting shadowed by Jair Alexander. I don't know that that's a matchup that I'm terribly afraid of. So, um, yeah, I'll take that play here. Last game, Sunday Night Football. Rams getting 27.5 implied points. The Niners with Jimmy Garoppolo, I guess, playing again. I don't know, getting 24 <laughs> implied points over under 51.5. Rich, 
Uh, you can get the first pick here, of course, for uh, all of your hard work here being one of our finest guests out of the two guests we've had so far on Splash Play. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, this one's a little tricky because this game is kind of fun because it's like two guys trying to out-scheme each other, you know, McVeigh and uh, Kyle Shanahan, and they kind of have to because, they, they, you know, well, McVeigh's been doing it successfully the way he's been utilizing golf so far this season. Uh, golf is only, you know, I've seen Josh Norris tweeted out too, but his intended air yards are just five, a little over five yards for pass attempt. They're, they're number one in yak uh, in re receiving yards gained after the catch. Uh, they're really just kind of masking golf so far. And they've had a really light schedule too. And then we've seen what, the 49ers have to work with a quarterback. Uh, you know, Garoppolo has played eight quarters now, and six of them have been, uh, you know, a, a disaster. Uh, I'll say that the – I mean, you guys – you did the captain pick last week, so I'll try to double down and chase you here. I'll say that Raheem Mostert is the uh, the captain de jour uh, in this game. Uh, if the 49ers can keep this game close, we kind of rattled off in rapid fire. We both did. Uh, kind of his, you know, <laughs> boom or bust, you know, rushing ability. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, home team, if they keep the game close, uh, pop some big runs. Um, yeah, I'll go with Raheem Mostert as the captain here. Yeah, I, 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 never a bad time to pick Raheem Mostert. I, one of my favorite backs in the league. Pete, you, how about you here? Uh, feel free to take a showdown winning captain if you want to get 10 points. I would never. I would I mean, <laughs> Actually, I kind of want to now. Maybe I will. I, I'll, I'll, I'll shift my, my pick. What I was going to say is every week that we get comfortable with Darrell Henderson, then we get burned, then he comes and pops oh, yeah. back off. So now everyone's kind of comfortable with him again. Well, Cam Akers looked really good. He had that really long run last week. I think they still ultimately want him to be that guy there. I'll say Cam Akers, captain winning lineup. Captain Ooh. Cam. <laughs> okay, that's uh, that's a risky one, but I get it. I'm going to say... Um, I was just going to say led the Rams backfield, and then you guys bullied me into a captain take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I would also like the most there captain, but I guess I'll get a little bit different. I'll say George Kittle showdown winning captain. We could all take a winning captain and George Kittle. I think I'd be one of the higher probability ones. Uh, some concern here that he does get kept in the block a little bit more. Uh, but I would say that it's never a bad time to play George Kittle in a showdown. So there we go. Um, How about the Rams kind of uh, the last two weeks, they're playing Jalen Ramsey as like a box slot defender now, and he's probably going to guard George Kittle a good amount in this game. So I'm excited to see them go heads up because uh, those are some physical dudes. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see if that plays out. Cause a lot of people last week thought he would just guard Terry McLaurin. It didn't happen. He stayed two weeks in a row, played the slot last week, and he's, he's been really good against the run. He's the guy that knocked out and brained Kyle Allen last week. Uh, I thought I thought he was going to get ejected too for that hit, but uh, I'm curious to see if they have him line up across from Kittle because, well, one, the 49ers wide receivers are awful right now. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that plays I out. Kinda like I'm like, I'm into him. I feel like he's showing flashes here. Like, I kind of feel like he's a little better than Debo. I should say the quarterbacks, are, the quarterbacks are hurting the wide receivers. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. And hopefully George Kittle did not get knocked up his sister or get knocked up hopefully george kittle get knocked up by jalen ramsey but uh, let's keep the violence to a minimum uh rich give us the plug here of course sharpfootballanalysis.com a great site to go to for you for warren sharp for a bunch of other contributors as well doing a great job and you are at lord reeves on twitter just look for the zach morris avatar you'll know you found home but please plug anything you want here to our our millions and millions of listeners rounded up slightly now you nailed it. Sharpfootballanalysis.com. You can find all my content. I do a podcast called Pre-Snap Motion. That is a fantasy podcast with my buddy Chad Scott. And I do another podcast called Sharp Angles. Uh, with my, uh, you know, good buddy Dan Pazuda and Cleve TA, which is more of a betting, you know, more kind of like a game by game breakdown podcast. So check those out. Uh, you can find me, uh, like you said, on Twitter at Lord Reeves. I'm around there. 
Yeah, go check out Rich's work. He does a great job. One of the guys on there, very appreciated, but honestly, maybe still underappreciated relative to a lot of the people you see out there. So I'm just giving great advice every week as well as great rankings as well. Pete, any plugs you want to hit on before we call it quits? No, just happy to have Rich join us. Seriously, check him out on Sharp Football. So much good stuff with the worksheet, the podcasts, uh, just uh, an absolute workhorse. Love Reebs. Thank you so much for your time tonight, Rich. Yes, yeah, so thanks, Rich. And thank you for watching this one. Hit the like button and, of course, subscribe down below. Leave us a comment as well telling us your ride or die play for the week. We want to know what you guys are thinking. We appreciate all of you guys out there who comment every week, who hit the like button. Keep doing it. And if you're listening on podcasts as well, five stars and a review on Apple Podcasts helps us out a bunch. We'll be back Sunday night after Sunday night football, hopefully having won several million dollars between us. So fingers crossed. I think this is the week we're due. We appreciate you guys and we'll see you again soon.